Happy Veterans Day. That song is from World War One, and it's over there because that was the very first war that was over there, that Overseas. was outside of the United States. And uh, November 11th is Veterans Day, and unlike most holidays today, it's not a Monday holiday. It is always celebrated on November 11th. And why is Veterans Day on November 11th, you might ask? Do you know? Well, maybe, actually, maybe you do. On the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, World War I came to an end after four brutal years of fighting. One year later, America dedicated November 11th as, as Armistice Day, and we now call it Veterans Day, to celebrate the peace and the veterans who fought to make the world a safer place. At that time, it was called the War to End All Wars. Most of us don't know much about World War One. Um, Bill and I discovered the World War One Museum in Kansas City, Missouri, and it is one of, or possibly the only, museum in the world dedicated solely to World War One. Um, we went there um, again a few years later, and each time, each visit, we were there for about four hours. Yeah, I mean it's hard to believe that. You know, you'd be in a museum for four hours uh, and go back again and mm-hmm. go back again. Mm-hmm. But it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mind-boggling. And, and Bill knows <laughs> museums are not my, not my favorite places to go. Yeah, I like museums anyway. But this was just uh, fantastic. Absolutely fascinating. So if you ever get to Kansas City, go to the World War I Museum. You won't regret it, believe me. And it's a... It's, uh, we never studied World War I in school, and I know mm-hmm. they don't today. Because uh, World War One was is toward the end of the history book, and they never get that far before mm-hmm. the school year is over. Uh, I think we got maybe to the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very confusing war. Exactly. Uh, it's very confusing as to how World War One started. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who know a little bit about it say, "Well, you know, that guy was shot. Uh, the Archduke Ferdinand was was shot." Yeah, that just triggered the dominoes. But the dominoes had been being set up for a long time. Uh, before that, uh, and uh, it's a it's a fascinating thing. And I, I said during the top of the hour of last hour, uh, on November 11, 1918, World War One came to an end. Uh, the Texas part of that story, part of the Texas story, is that uh, almost 200,000 Texans served in the armed forces during World War One. Four of them were awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, the highest uh, honor given. Uh, to, uh, for the military. And uh, Texas was the main location for pilot training for military aviation during World War One. And uh, your dad was uh, trained navigators, not World War One, World War II in mm-hmm. Texas. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and and we have friends whose whose father was a navigator, and he was also trained. In also Texas. trained in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, I think I think so. it's because we have wide open spaces. Yeah, and, that's, and, that's, and it's ideal for flying. That's why San Antonio is such a headquarters for the Air Force because it's a uh, it's great flying mm-hmm. uh, weather. Uh, but uh, yeah, my my father was at at Hondo, and um, we ran across some bricks that say Dehanus. They're they're made in Dehanus. And, and my, Which my, is a town in Texas. If yeah, you know. yeah, it's, it's, it's near Hondo. And my father always laughed because, because he said during their their bombing simulations, <laughs> Dehanus was their target. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Simulations, I, I hope. Yeah, that, they weren't actually dropping bombs on Dehanus. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. But yeah, so, so, so he, he got a kick out, out of that brick, and I, I have that in my office right now. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, a little more on World War One. Mm-hmm. Well, I was uh, going to say, I, I, have, I have a lot more to say. Well, let's hear about it. Let's hear what you have to say. Um, well, what, one, thing, one, of the, one of the many things that we learned was that um, the reason uh, the Second World War broke out uh, very shortly after um, World War One, which was supposed to be the war to end all wars, um, Germany was treated so badly uh, by the Treaty of Versailles, which was signed at the end of the war, um, that Hitler was able to rise to power because the German people saw him as a savior, not the anti-Semitic uh, dictator that he was. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Because they mm-hmm. felt that they had been horribly treated by the mm-hmm. Treaty of Versailles. Uh-huh. And appar- apparently they were. I don't know all yeah. the details. Oh, no, they were punished. Of it. But they, yeah, the, yeah they, were, they were severely punished. They were, the country was broken up, much like after World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, the country of Germany was uh, largely broken up. And uh, there was a, a you know, a... It was a very harsh treatment mm-hmm. uh, of Germany uh, by the Treaty of Versailles and the, and the German people. When Hitler ran on that platform of uh, we're going to uh, correct the evils of the Treaty of Versailles, mm-hmm. uh, the people, of course, they're very nationalistic. They were very nationalistic. And uh, so they they wanted, uh, that, that was an appeal that, that uh, was rang in the hearts of many of the German people. And uh, Hitler... If it weren't for the Treaty of Versailles, I think it's likely that Hitler would never come to power and we wouldn't have mm-hmm. had World War II. That's true. That's true. And why did the United States become involved in a foreign war for the very first time and go over there? Oh, okay, I will, t- <laughs> I will tell you. <laughs> um, it was because of the Zimmerman telegram. And I, I, I have actually heard this on, on, a, on a game show. Uh, a quiz show. The, okay. the, the the question was, um, what started what what brought the United States into World War One, and the answer is the Zimmerman telegram, and that was sent in uh, January of 1917 from the German Foreign Secretary Arthur Zimmerman in Berlin to the German Embassy in Mexico, and it proposed a military alliance between Germany and Mexico in the event the United States entered the First World War in support of the Allies, and Zimmerman promised the return of the U.S. states of Texas, Arizona, and California if Mexico joined the war in support of Germany. So, so this intercepted telegram uh, prompted support in the U.S. for the war, which previously Americans were opposed to foreign entanglements. But um, that... The release of, of that telegram um, f- flopped people and, and made them um, become um, 
supportive of going to war overseas. So it was because of a telegram, let me get this straight, a telegram from Germany to Mexico, Mexico mm-hmm. to the uh, to the Mexican, what, president or something, uh, saying, it doesn't matter, uh, saying that if... It was, well, it was to the German embassy, and, okay. and he was to, to relay that information okay. to, to the... That if, if, if Mexico would go to war against the United States on behalf of Germany, when, if and when Germany won World War I, they would give Mexico, Texas, and Arizona? And California, I believe. And California. Well, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's... You know, uh, California, you know, I kind of wish that happened, but, uh, that's, you know, that's fascinating. But then, you know, you know, and I, I'm not uh, at a future show. I, I've been wanting to talk about false flags. Okay. Uh, cause there've been many of them in American history and false flag means basically you try to deceive the people, uh, by claiming some, somebody else is responsible for something you did. Uh, I wonder if the Zimmerman telegram was a false flag. I don't know. I don't have any information about that at all except my own skepticism. Well, well, well no, because that, that brought the U.S. In, into the war. Yeah, which a lot of people wanted. A lot of warmongers in the United States wanted that. And how convenient. No, no, is it? No, the people, the American the people. American people didn't. Right. But just like uh, well, as a matter of fact, Operation Northwoods, another okay. famous false flag operation, the the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted to go to war against Cuba uh, in, ni- in the 19 si- early 1960s. The American people had no interest in going to war against Cuba, but they wanted to go to war against Cuba, primarily because of Dole, uh, the, comp- the Dole, the fruit people, and the sugar uh, interests, and the co- corporate interests. Uh, they wanted to take Cuba back away from Castro and the communists, and they wanted to you know, exploit the, uh, the uh, markets down in Cuba. And uh, so the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, came up with this proposal, and it's public knowledge now. You can go on the Internet and read the original document, uh, where they pr- said to President Kennedy, uh, what, he, what we want to do is send up a, a, a drone plane, or what they didn't call a drone, but a fake pl- a plane, an empty plane, and blow it up in the air and claim it was a passenger plane, and you know, hundreds of people were killed, Americans were killed, and say that we've discovered that Cuba did it, and so the people will want to go to war against Cuba. And to John Kennedy's credit, President Kennedy's credit, he said, are you friggin' out of your mind? Don't do anything like that. Uh, so that was an exposed false flag operation. Now, I'm not saying the Zimmerman telegram was. I have no evidence of that. Uh, but uh, I, you just wonder. I've often wondered if, if we really knew the backstory, the real story of a lot of things in American history, how things might have uh, how surprised we might be, let me put it that way. Anyway, you got more on the Zimmerman telegram? Um, that was just my little, no, little no, interjection. No. Okay. Okay. no, but what, what I was going to say was, um, on Veterans Day, um, we don't celebrate just um, World War I veterans, but, but all veterans. And, um, Bill, your father served in the war, didn't he? Yes, of course. He served in uh, North Africa uh, in World War II and uh, in uh, the Sicily campaign and the Italian campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, my father was navigator of a B-17 bomber. As I said, he trained in, in Hondo. Um, he also taught at, um, at Hondo, but he was a navigator of a, a B-17 in Europe. Um, and uh, we have our friend, um, 
Kerrville's Kinky Friedman reading an essay that was originally published in Texas Monthly about his father, who was the navigator of a B-24 bomber in Europe. Because I'm the oldest living Jew in Texas who doesn't own real estate, and given my status in general as a colorful character, there are those who profess to be surprised that I ever indeed had a father or a mother. I assure you, I have both. For many years, my parents owned and directed Echo Hill Ranch, a summer camp near Kerrville, where I grew up or maybe just got older. I remember my dad, Tom Friedman, talking to all the campers on Father's Day in the dining hall after lunch. Each summer, he'd say essentially the same words. For those of you who are lucky enough to have a father, now is the time to remember him and let him know that you love him. Write a letter home today. Many years have passed since I last heard Tom's message to the campers, but love, I suppose, has no sell-by date. When my father was a young boy, growing up in the Chicago of the late 20s, his first job was working for a Polish peddler. The man had a horse and cart that was loaded up with fruits and vegetables, and Tom sat on the very top. Through the streets and alleys of the old west side they'd go, with the peddler crying his wares in at least five languages, and my father running the purchases up to the housewives who lived on the top floors of the tenement buildings. There were trolley cars then, colorful clotheslines strung across sooty alleys like medieval banners. My father still remembers the word the peddler seemed to cry out more than any other. The word was kartoffel. It is Polish for potato. In November 1944, my mother, Minnie, gave birth to me in a manger somewhere on the south side of Chicago. I lived there one year, couldn't find work, and moved to Texas, where I haven't worked since. And all this time, my father was far away, fighting for his country and his wife and a baby boy he might never see. Tom was a navigator in World War II, flying a heavy bomber for the 8th Air Force, the old B-24, also known as the Liberator, which in time it was. Tom's plane was called the I've Had It. He flew 35 successful missions over Germany, the last occurring on November 9, 1944, two days after he'd learned that he was a brand new father. As the navigator, the responsibility fell to him to bring the 10-man crew back safely. In retrospect, it's not terribly surprising that fate and the powers that be had selected Tom to be the navigator. He was the only one aboard the I've Had It who possessed a college degree. He was also the oldest man on the plane. He was 23 years old. After each successful mission, it was a custom to paint a small bomb on the side of the plane. In the rare instance of shooting down an enemy plane, a swastika was painted. When one incoming crew, however, accidentally hit a British runway maintenance worker, a small 
teacup was painted on the side of the plane, practically engendering an international incident. Tom was a hero in what he still refers to as the last good war. For his efforts, he received the Distinguished Flying Cross and the Air Medal with three oak leaf clusters and the heartfelt gratitude of his crew. Yet the commanding officer's first words to Tom and his young compatriots had not been wrong. The CO had told them to look at the man on their left and to look at the man on their right. When you return, he'd said, they will not be here. This dire prophecy proved to be almost correct. The mighty eight suffered a grievous attrition rate during the height of the war. After the war, Tom and men settled in Houston, where Tom pioneered community action programs and men became one of the very first speech therapists in the Houston public schools. In the late 50s, they moved to Austin, where Tom was a professor of educational psychology at the University of Texas. It was in 1953, however, that my parents made possibly their greatest contribution to children far and wide by opening Echo Hill Ranch. My mother passed away in 1985, but Tom, known as Uncle Tom to the kids, still runs the camp. Like most true war heroes, Tom rarely talks about the war. My sister, Marcy, once saw Tom sitting alone in a darkened room and asked, Is everything all right, Father? To this, Tom replied, The last time everything was all right, was August 14, 1945. That was the day Japan surrendered. Today, Tom lives in Austin with his new wife, Edith Kruger, and his two dogs, Sam and Perky. He has three children and three grandchildren. He eats lunch at the Frisco, still plays tennis with his old pals. He did not, as he contends, teach me everything I know only almost everything. He taught me tennis, he taught me chess, he taught me how to belch, he taught me to always stand up to the underdog. He taught me the importance of treating children like adults and adults like children. He's a significant American because by his example, his spirit and his unseen hand, he has guided children of all ages safely through the winding, often torturous courses of their lives. One of them was me. Tom's war is long over. Indeed, the whole era seems gone, like the crews who never came home, lost forever among the salt shaker stars. And yet, when the future may look its darkest, there sometimes occurs an oddly comforting moment when, with awkward grace, the shadow of a silver plane flies inexplicably close to my heart. One more mission for the Navigator.
That's the song over there that was so popular during World War One, and that's what we're playing because of uh, Veterans Day. And uh, Veterans uh, World War One ended on November 11 of 1918, and that's uh, why Veterans Day is no- always November 11, not a Monday holiday. It's always November 11 to honor all veterans, as opposed to Memorial Day, which honors veterans who died. Mm-hmm. Veterans Day is to honor all veterans, living or uh, living or dead. Exactly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Thank you. 